Hello and welcome to Aspen Physician Spotlight. My name is Vikram Christian. I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist at the University of Minnesota. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Nisha Mangalat. Physician Spotlight is a forum for us to learn more about our physician leaders in the field of nutrition. Nisha is a pediatric gastroenterologist and associate professor in the Department of Pediatrics in the Division of Gastroenterology at St. Louis University School of Medicine. Here, she is also the medical director of the Glennon Intestinal Rehab and Feeding Program, or GIRAFF, and she's also the Pediatric Gastroenterology Fellowship Program Director. Nisha, welcome. Thank you so much for spending your time with us on this call. Thanks so much for having me, Vikram. So Nisha, I thought we could start off by uh, just having you share a little bit about your training and your background and your interests and how that came about. Yes, yeah, so I attended medical school at the six-year combined program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, here in Missouri. I stayed on at Children's Mercy, Kansas City to do my resident pediatric residency training, and I had a wonderful experience there, uh, particularly on the pediatric GI service. Took care of a, a variety of patients, but particularly a variety of patients with um, severe nutrition, nutritional issues related to malabsorption from uh, short bowel syndrome. So I have vivid memories, like the best memories, of rounding on the GI floor at Children's Mercy in Kansas City. And so that I wonderful mentors there that propelled me in my career um, as a gastroenterology fellow at the University of Texas um, at Health Sciences Center at Houston. Um, and again, wonderful mentors and had a fantastic time in fellowship, particularly taking care of, of intestinal failure patients. I just tend to gravitate there. And even in my <laughs> senior years of uh, fellowship when you have a little bit more time while, while you're doing research. I just, I'd always happen to be um, down to the uh, the shortcut clinic. Um, so, so that was, it was just a natural extension then as a faculty member. So um, life took me back to Missouri. So here I'm on the other side of the state now in St. Louis, um, where, where I am uh, taking care of kids and taking care of kids with uh, intestinal failure and, and short bowel syndrome. Um, so it's been, it's been so fun and, and full circle. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and you're taking care of these children at the giraffe, right? Tell us more about the giraffe. Oh, and... yes. So I'm excited. I always love to talk about our giraffe program. <laughs> In fact, the name giraffe, the Glennon Intestinal Rehabilitation and Feeding Team, it was uh, coined by um, one of our beloved dietitians, Karen Weaver, at an Aspen meeting. In fact, hmm. so we were in, it was, this was like in 2014 and talking about, man, we really, need, we were all getting myself as a physician taking care of these patients, surgeons, of course, taking care of the line issues, dietitians taking care of the TPN, nurses troubleshooting G2, we would all be getting paged so many hmm. times um, about these patients and said, you know, we really should just be, why don't we just, I just, I just reserved a conference room in our hospital said, how about Wednesday mornings? Let's just meet and talk about these patients. Mm -hmm. They're often are not emergency issues, but they re really require a collaborative approach to take care of them. So mm -hmm. really organically, this is how our giraffe program very, very organically. And so we would meet in a room and talk. And this is before actually a position paper by our national society, NASP again, in 2015 came out with, um, with the guidelines that suggested that, that having a multi a formal multidisciplinary program was the state of the art in taking care of these patients. 
So Karen, our dietitian, who when she was at the Aspen program, like listening to lectures um, regarding short bowel syndrome, intestinal failure, she said she was doodling on a paper and, and actually coined this um, name. In fact, I still have the text message from her, um, but she said, well, what do you think about this name, the giraffe program? And I mean, we just really loved it. So um, yeah, so very organically came about. And so we just have a, people that are really dedicated to the care of this very, of these uh, complex patients. It really takes a village to take care of them. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Um, I, I just love that name. It's such a pediatric friendly <laughs> name, giraffes. I love that. Um, tell me more about your weekly meetings. How does that go usually? What does that What does that look like? So, and you know, it it, it really is a it's a, a time commitment. So, what we're mm -hmm. doing now, what we and and this is an evol an evolving construct. So, this at the beginning, we had about like seven patients on home TPN. So, not a huge mm -hmm. volume of patients, but enough to certainly keep us busy. And mm -hmm. so, we would ask the families um, to give us weekly updates. So whether that's a, whether that email or a phone call, um, we've tried app-based uh, programs, but really just to get an update, well, how's your kid doing? What's their weight like? What are their poops like? What are their, what's the ostomy output like? So we can make collaborative decisions with the parent and caregivers to be proactive about troubleshooting problems, to getting a sense of what their baseline is in terms of, you know, this is their tolerance, watching their weight gain and growth, um, so we can make proactive, systematic um, um, adjustments in their enteral nutrition. And in, in this case, this giraffe is mainly for, for home TPN patients to really to achieve um, enteral autonomy. So really, though, it was getting, I mean, it's not that we were doing, quote, rocket science, but we were getting, all of us were really getting to know these patients on a, on a, um, uh, at their level as to what, so when they get admitted to the hospital, yeah, we know, like we are their primary caregivers. And so no, this is baseline. This isn't baseline. This is, um, the, you know, being very cognizant about their vascular access issues, all the things that we, um, um, all of us in this, the intestinal failure world are really trying to be, um, proactive about that we can all have um, shared decision-making regarding their future. It's mm -hmm. interesting how, you know, one decision affects a lot of different um, disciplines. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think it's really good that you have that set up and that dialogue between all members of the team. And we're um, actually also meeting with the, the families in the NICU. So we've kind of, we took mm -hmm. that then and said, you know what, a lot of these fam these patients are created in the NICU because of excellent mm -hmm. prenatal care, babies born uh, prematurely are surviving, um, and 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 the of course they're at risk for um, short bowel or necro in our pediatric word necrotizing enterocolitis, and then subsequently mm -hmm. potentially um, surgical short bowel syndrome, um, mm -hmm. whether they have atresia. A lot of these babies that we or these children we take care of, their pathology began while um, in their neonatal course. So if we can mm -hmm. meet with families early, which is also requires mm -hmm. collaboration with our neonatology partners, because of mm -hmm. course they're taking excellent care of these babies and they know what to do. Um, but for us, it's forming relationships and, and um, being part of, again, decision-making regarding mechanical device, central lines and G-tubes mm -hmm. and getting to know the family, the family dynamic, where do they live? How does that mm -hmm. impact our decisions regarding hospital discharge and what communication is going to look like too. For sure. So you meet these families in the NICU and establish that relationship and then continue to follow them outpatient. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's great. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And um, you know, you you also have uh, you're you're supervising the fellowship program uh, yes. as well as the director. Yes. Um, what does fellow involvement in the giraffe program look like, or are they involved in the program? You know what? Of course, I want them to be involved even more and more and more. And initially, we started the program prior to us having fellows. So that is mm -hmm. something too, as a as you know, wearing a program director hat and then having such a mm -hmm. um, such a vested interest in a clinical program, how to marry the two. Um, mm -hmm. So we've had it, and fellows are so busy, and like there's just it's as you well know, there's mm -hmm. there's there's just a wealth of information to be learned as a fellow. Um, that uh, and our fellows have really loved being part of of being a, a, in the giraffe program because our you know our kids inevitably get admitted and so it's only behoove mm -hmm. it helps them to know what's mm -hmm. going on behind the scenes. So our fellows are typically when they're in their outpatient rotations, um, mm -hmm. then typically we'll have them join us on our giraffe team rounds. We try mm -hmm. to make rounds in the NICU once a month and have the fellow the outpatient fellow um, join us in the NICU to make rounds. So. Um, mm -hmm. they're also familiar with, with what kind of questions are we looking for on the outpatient side? What's, how is this kid, how does they, how do they do in the outpatient world when they're, I know they're admitted for rule out sepsis and rule out line infection now, um, and they're not feeling well, but how are they normally at, at um, what's their baseline activity level like? And then in the NICU too, um, kind of having that hat of a not just a GI consultant, but also thinking about from a system standpoint and part of a multi D team, what are all the facets of care that's going to be involved in taking care of this complex population outpatient? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. You know, um, as as fellowship program director, I mean, I'm sure you're, um, you know, you're obviously vested in the education of the fellows that you're that you're supervising. Um, you mentioned to me um, a little while ago about this um, grant through Aspen. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so Aspen has a wonderful program. Um, it's really incredible because Aspen has, has a dedication to um, guide uh, nutrition training for all, all disciplines um, in medicine, but also for young physicians. So through, um, you know, in fact, one of our dietitians introduced me to this, but for subspecialty fellows having a, mm -hmm. there's a, um, a webinar, not a webinar, but a, an all weekly lecture series during mm -hmm. certain months um, mm -hmm. that our fellows can be involved with. So it's a live uh, session with a, with a core curriculum with various mm -hmm. nutrition based topics. So it's been, it ranged from um, disordered eating, eosinophilic esophagitis. Mm -hmm. So the gamut of, of uh, in, in our case, pediatric nutrition related concepts um, mm -hmm. with speakers and uh, from all over the country. So it's been a really mm -hmm. um, great asset for uh, formalizing nutrition education for our fellowship program mm -hmm. and not reinventing the wheel either. So then mm -hmm. like making our community, it's not just here in St. Louis, but our our nutrition community throughout the country and the world and bringing people closer. So it's been really great. So we plan to continue mm -hmm. to do that. That's awesome. And I know that nutrition education is um, something which is very close to your heart. Um, tell me a little bit about your own education in the field of nutrition. Yeah, you know that, um, so whereas I had excellent teachers and mentors in terms of clinical guidance, so just a lot of on the job training, I'll tell you, as a medical student, I can't remember formal classes in nutrition. In mm -hmm. fact, it was probably um, 
like maybe pieces of physiology, but having infant nutrition as part of our uh, education? No, not really. Um, in residency, of course, as a pediatric resident, growth, uh, growth and development for children, identifying red flags for malnutrition, certainly part of our on-the-job training and certainly part of resident didactics. And, and I, probably most every pediatrician has a, uh, has a, um, has significant interest in clinical nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, and then taking that onto fellowship too. Usually our patients are our teachers, both in, in, um, in the field of, uh, in pediatrics and pediatric GI, our patients are often our, our teachers. We use textbooks and come up with formulas and our anecdotal experience, I can tell you after having children, mm -hmm. that the practicalities of nutrition, particularly nutrition in children, the mm -hmm. access to care, how, how that is, how social determinants of health affect nutrition and how culture, socioeconomics, how culture affects nutrition, and even how people teach nutrition based on your own experiences. Um, that I've, I've now as an educator, like, you know, being, you know, moving throughout my training and now on the, um, I am on the educator side um, mm -hmm. of, of nutrition. I have to also think about, well, how my own biases and my own experiences are affecting the way that I teach nutrition. So I'm hoping though for the future, as we, uh, uh, our anecdotal experience is so important, our own um, uh, cultural experiences are important, but also having, making sure that we're rooted in science and continue to move the needle forward. And just because this is the way we've always done things, is that the right way to do things? How are we objectively evaluating um, considerations as it comes to nutrition? How does nutrition affect health outcomes? Um, because, and I think hopefully then as our um, colleagues in nutrition, our dietitians are, I'm hoping that um, increased recognition, I think even in the lay population, like non-medical population, there's a lot of push to, for us, pushing us as clinicians to really increase our knowledge base in nutrition and give sound data in, in, in our recommendations. And hopefully that also increase the need and the respect and recognition for all of our colleagues who are um, taking care of or involved in the field of nutrition. Absolutely. And I know, um, you know, globally, there's a, so much of, you know, there's quite a gap in uh, when it comes to nutrition education. Um, at all levels of training, um, maybe the exception being Pete's GI, because I feel like <laughs> a lot of what we do in GI, especially in pediatrics, is sure. growth and nutrition. Um, but what gaps have you noticed over your career? Um, I think formalized nutrition education in that where nutrition is a, perhaps like nutrition is medicine, like even thinking mm -hmm. about as we're, um, as I will say, from, I mean, quite honestly, as a medical student, that was not my interest, that mm. nutrition as med, like really thinking about that, you know, thinking we mm. had to pathology and pharmacology and thinking in those terms, but how does nutrition affect physiology, uh, mm. lack of nutrition affect pathology, I mean, really like, I don't think that, that light bulb hit mm. until being, um, perhaps in pediatric medicine and pediatric GI fellowship. So I'm hoping, mm -hmm. and then even as an educator and I'm doing medical student lectures, sometimes there's some feedback from medical students is like when doing infant nutrition, for example, um, yeah, I really don't need to know that this is not on my board exams. Mm -hmm. 
for because it's that's not tested on USMLE step one, for example, like these, but but perhaps it should be, but but perhaps mm-hmm. uh, like as we increase our in all, not just pediatric medicine, but in all mm-hmm. aspects of medicine and saying mm-hmm. how affecting nutrition, how um, optimizing nutrition will uh, improve all types of health outcomes and morbidity and mortality for um, a variety of patients. I am hoping that'll also trickle down to then educate, we'll impart that to our future clinicians, the importance mm-hmm. of nutrition. So I'd say um, even at the medical student level, imparting mm-hmm. the importance of new I would say that would be a gap in my own and perhaps again maybe I'm biased as a pediatric GI doc um, but that is something that we could potentially impart change um, so I know our own institution and others have really mm-hmm. now trying to um, create nutrition electives for example for medical mm-hmm. students to engage them because that's not true of everyone I know there's certainly there's medical students I'm sure you've had medical students that are really excited now to um to, learn, to really get engaged with with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it can definitely be all over the board in terms of interest, but it, like you mentioned, it's just so closely linked with health outcomes and outcomes in the setting of disease um, that it just makes sense to start that fundamental, fundamental you know, early on. So Nisha, how do you feel like we can engage future physicians or physicians in training to get into a career in nutrition? Well, you know, organizations like this one, like Aspen, I think do a lot for that. So this is an international society of of colleagues and I, in, in a variety of disciplines who work together to um, move, move the needle in this field. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. a, I mean, going through the Aspen website, going through Aspen resources, there is just a wealth of information mm-hmm. of, of, uh, to, um, to supply uh, medical students, residents, fellows, attendings, all of us in um, nutrition and nutrition related topics. And there's a platform then where we can all, we're not working in silos, we're working Mm -hmm. alongside each other um, to take care of patients. So I love societies like this one that are interdisciplinary, um, rooted in science, to um, to advance the field. And so not only with support, like uh, research support for mm-hmm. for young physicians who are, hey, I, I have an interest in this, in X, Y, and Z, this hasn't been looked at. Having societies like Aspen to help um, fund and support their research endeavor, so important. Having opportunities at Aspen to engage medical students and residents to come to the meetings to get excited. We all get excited when we go to national meetings and see people, mm-hmm. hear people, the people that you like read their papers and actually see them speak mm-hmm. and you can engage and ask questions. That gets everyone, that gets you excited. I mean, when we all mm-hmm. leave our national meetings with like a, just a jolt of energy and want to carry mm-hmm. that forward. So having opportunities for networking, I think is wonderful. Having some, and I mentioned a little bit about the educational opportunities, um, mm-hmm. having those CNSC, for example, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Certified Nutrition Support Clinician, opportunities where you can um, objectively quantify and show to future employers to your, mm-hmm. that this, I have this specific skill set, this is what I'm bringing to the table, and to mm-hmm. assure that patients are getting the highest quality of care, I think that these are all um, mm-hmm. 
ways to um, engage uh, physicians in um, careers in, nutri in nutrition, saying that this is, this is, I'm helping my patients, I'm helping myself, I'm improving, uh, this is going to only advance my, my career and, and feeling mm -hmm. that you're having a, a positive impact um, mm -hmm. on your, on your patients, on your future trainees, on your colleagues. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. And I know that you uh, personally, um, as part of the Physician Engagement Committee, which I serve on as well, um, have some big plans in the field of nutrition education. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so the Physician Engagement Committee is just that, engaging physicians and getting excited about um, nutrition and nutrition education. So we have um, in the pipeline, have things in the works to really help uh, develop, to guide um, uh, future leaders in the, or future, not only colleagues, but leaders in the field in mm -hmm. nutrition through guided mentorships and to, uh, for uh, career development. So there's, stay tuned, there's lots more to come on that. So hopefully um, within this, this next academic year, um, folks will be hearing about that and how to engage um, our young trainees and in, into our careers. That's super exciting. I am personally very excited about that. I think it's, um, it's definitely been something that um, is lacking in the field of physician nutrition education. Thank you for sharing that and thank you for taking a lead on that. All right, well, um, Nisha, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I, you know, you have so much of passion about, you know, nutrition education and what you do. Um, I was wondering if you had any last words of advice for our listeners today. Oh, well, thanks for the opportunity today. And gosh, to impart a um, few words. Um, you know, one thing I would say is, I would say, don't be afraid to say yes. Initially, the advice I got, and I perhaps I took a little much too hard is, oh, don't be afraid to say no. Don't, in terms of your, your work life, et cetera. Definitely, I'm a mother of three. Um, I was just telling Vikram, if I have a, a kid, downstairs that I hope she's taking care of herself as we're <laughs> chatting with you. So absolutely um, needing work-life balance, but as it comes to your career and finding your passions, it's okay to say yes to, because mm -hmm. you never know what opportunities may be behind that door. Um, and like, it's, it's okay to um, maybe be the first one to, if you feel like mm -hmm. I have an idea about something, it's okay to mm -hmm. say yes and explore. But I think my initial mentality is like, oh, well, somebody else must have already thought or will do that or they, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do it better than me. Well, why not you? Why couldn't it be you? So I'd mm -hmm. say just don't be afraid to say yes. That's excellent. I've definitely heard of don't be afraid to say no. So this is uh, <laughs> definitely a twist on that. Uh, thank you so much, Nisha, for just talking to us today and uh, sharing your experience and um, again, your, your passion for education. Um, it's been great talking to you and thank you for spending your time today. Thank you again. Take care.